So what was that moment like when you finally knew that you were in the group and you met the other girls? Like, did you all get along initially? There were only three singers in the Pussycat Dolls. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. We were paid $500 a week. We were struggling. There were times where we were really struggling. You not only slave labored us, okay? We were put through severe trauma that we will never recover from. Girls had to have forced to And I was a doll. And I made you millions of dollars because my voice is on those records. So yeah. stop. I see what you're doing. Do not play that game with me. I have receipts. Let's get into it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome back to Let's Get Into a Podcast hosted by me, Sloan. And today we are joined by Kaya Jones. How are you? Hi, I'm so excited. I am so excited. So Kaya is a singer and a model, and she's most well known for her role in the Pussycat Dolls. But before we get into that history, I want to acknowledge that you recently dropped a single, Breathe Into Me, which is yeah. beautiful. Thank you. But um, about 20, <laughs> uh, 20 years ago, you joined the Pussycat yes. uh, Dolls, and that's a very yeah. different vibe. So before we get into like your joining of the group, were you yeah. always into like singing and performing? Oh my gosh, we were just having this conversation the other day with some family on how I joined into the music industry. So no, I wanted to be a dancer. I loved dancing. I saw Whitney Houston at the Super Bowl. I was six and I was like, okay, I want that. And then I heard Nina Simone the next year. And so every day for seven years, I would like pray at the foot of my bed and be like, dear Jesus, one day you're going to give me a voice like Miss Whitney Houston. I would say this all the time. And I just really wanted that anointing. I wanted that voice. And no one in my family sings. Nobody. Everyone's like either law or medicine. They, you know, My mom is the one that's really beautiful. She's the artist. She paints. She's very whimsical. She's like, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? You know, all of that. So I never really had those immediate aspirations. I figured, well, I want to do that, but I'm probably going to go to med school. And then when my father, my stepfather, due to incarceration... That's when I was like, okay, I got to help mom and started working at a local uh, like restaurant bar eatery. So I would serve sandwiches, get drinks, those kinds of things. Um, and then start singing at karaoke bars in order to learn how to sing because I couldn't afford vocal lessons. And um, yeah, and that then led me into the music industry. But that was not, it was not like, oh, I want to be this. I wanted it, but I didn't think that that was possible. If that makes sense. So when you were serving or doing the karaoke bars, like where yeah. were you based? I was ba well based in 
based in Canada for a brief period of time because we lived in Las Vegas. So we lived in Las Vegas. My father went to federal prison. <laughs> okay. What do you go to prison for? You're not going to believe it. It's what people do every day right now and make millions of dollars. Selling um, weed? No. <laughs> no. My dad, uh, he started 1-900. He sold the company and the contact list. And in the state of Nevada in 1993, selling your contact list was illegal. And so Janarino came down and was just like, then she made an example of my father. And they tried to turn it into this massive thing that he was like this person he wasn't. And he was like, if I fight this, I could be looking at 20 years. I'm going to take a plea. Um, but that affected my life. At that point, then we you know, moved back to Canada, my mom. And then we started taking care of my grandmother. And Canada was where I was born. And my father's American, my biological father. So I've always been kind of like boom, 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 moving back and forth. But once my career really took off in music, I never returned back to Canada because it just for me was like, I have that warmth to Canada because yes, family's still there, all of that. But I really felt rooted in what I had to offer the world here in, in America. And it's, it's who I am, you know, and it's part of my heritage, my dad being Native American. And so just feeling like I wanted to not go backward and stay forward in where I was being assigned, yeah. <laughs> where I was being sent. <laughs> So social media wasn't huge back in 2003. So did you find like a Craigslist ad? Like how were you oh approached gosh. to join this group? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so no. So I had bombarded a tour bus, met Eminem, D12, all these guys, get signed to R. Kelly, signed in a deal with R. Kelly. At that point, Aaliyah dies August 22nd, 9-11 happens, deal goes cold. I auditioned for Capitol Records, get out of my cap, uh, my uh, R. Kelly deal. So I've had my a career in music. Maybe that's kind of why by the time I got to the Dolls, I was like, no, like this is not no bueno. Um, so I get to Capitol. I'm being developed as a punk rock artist. I'm like, I'm not a punk rock artist. This is not who I am. You know what? Let me go and figure out who I am. And I still really wasn't sure who I was. I was working at BCBG, wanted to do music, couldn't figure out how to get a manager, what I was going to do. I was kind of just bouncing around 17, not sure. And then MTV comes on and it's Gideon Diego from MTV News. And he's like, <laughs> Pussycat Dolls are having an open call audition. For more information, go to mtvnews.com. And I did, saw that there was an open call in Burbank at Center Stage and was like, I got to get there. And my girlfriend Denora Sharp, she's like, you know what? I can drive you. And she drove me and left me there. Like, <laughs> peace. And I'm like, wait, from Vegas. And I'm like, well, how am I getting home? And she's like, girl, you are home. You got to get this. So I just kind of went into this like whoom, mode of like, there's no, there's no getting out of this one. You've got to show your best, do your best and win the position, which was hard because there were 2000 girls there. Yeah, that's daunting. Before we talk a little bit more about the dolls, let's talk briefly about R. Kelly because, you know, R. Kelly has found yes. himself in a lot of trouble. Did you yes. have any inkling of his creepiness when you worked with him? No, no, and that's actually one of the things that's really hard and strange for me to compartmentalize because I've heard all of the allegations. Not at all. I never even saw him smile. He was yeah. so strong. No, seriously, like he would have me do drills um, when I was singing because he did everything to tape. So it wasn't like comping vocals, like now we can go snip, 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 snip and put the vocals together. 
And if people don't understand that, that means like we do line by line. So you think that we did the whole song in one take, really it's done word by word, line by line. Then the producer puts it together with the engineer. Mm -hmm. We study it, train ourselves to understand what we executed. And then you tour doing exactly that. So he didn't do it that way. He did record. So that meant tape. That meant when it started, you had to start well and finish well, or again. And so he would do, I mean, a hundred takes until it was right with me to the point where my throat would bleed. I would go home. I would, so he was more of a drill sergeant. He was not sweet or sensitive or, you know what I mean? Or any kind of flirty with me. He was like, boom, 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 get it done. You got to do this. It was so stern and um, never, never saw a flirt and anything like that. And I've saw, I've seen a lot, <laughs> I've seen yeah. a lot in this business. I never saw it. And that's kind of why it's really hard. Cause I'm like, when did he do it? And was it in between when we were working? And um, I did see, you know, people coming to and from the studio, but nothing that we were worried about. So that's what's really hard for me to grasp is that something like that could have happened so close to proximity, but now kind of walking through that in a different way, in a different arena of the music industry, it, anything is possible, you know? Yeah. I mean, even it makes me think of the Danny Masterson recently. We had uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis over here, yeah. like, you know, completely defending him. And it's like, you really don't know yeah. who you know, someone is when they're not right in front of you. They could be a total yeah. evil monster behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't know. We really don't. So what was the turnover like time whenever you, so you went to the audition in Burbank. How long did it take for you to figure out that you were going to be selected? Uh, day one was 2000 girls wheedled down to 200 and dancing alone. We weren't even singing yet. And I was just kind of like, I'm more of a singer than a dancer because I am. And I think people now realize there are singers, dancers and dancer singers in the Pussycat Dolls. And that's okay. We were a collective, right? Um, but it wasn't my forte to be this awesome dancer. I was a good dancer. I was a great singer. I was a better singer than I was a dancer. And I would say the same for Nicole and Melody. Um, so that was kind of, oh gosh, I got to get to that point where I can do what I know how to do well. And that was scary because you see girls that are beautiful, like just eliminated. And you're just like, oh my God, this is so scary. And then they got down to the 200 and everyone you to take a break and if you packed a lunch and I, I didn't <laughs> so I didn't eat I was just like oh, okay I just gonna sit here and then they brought us into rooms to sing and then by the end of that night 9 p.m they had eliminated us down to the top 19 and um I was in the top 19. Yeah. Do you remember what you sang for them? Yes I do mm -hmm. I sang um Fallen Alicia Keys mm -hmm. and um I remember Ron Fair stood up and he, you know, he, he dropped an F-bomb. He was like, Halla F and Lulia, a girl that can sing. And he brought me, he stood up, he brought me over to the piano and he started playing. And I understood at that point, the years of training with R. Kelly, this is now where I get to do what I know how to do. And, um, and I felt confident in that moment. I was like, okay, so I think, I think they think I'm okay, you know? Um, and they did. And they narrowed it down to the top 20, which is the top 19. Really, it's the top 19. It wasn't the top 20. It was top 19. And um, they gave us two sheets of paper. I still have the paper. <laughs> and it had uh, all of the different singers and songs you had to pick from for the next day. And I had nowhere to go, nowhere to stay. 
no charger on my phone. Like I was in bad shape. I was like, what am I going to do? And uh, I sat on the stoop of center staging. I thought I was going to sleep there for the night. That was the plan. I was like, I'm going to sleep here. (laughs) That's what's going to happen to me. (laughs) And I sat there and um, the this beautiful black woman with an afro who um, was in the room when we were auditioning, I didn't know who she was, but she was the editor of Allure Magazine and Jane Magazine. And she winds down her window and she says, sweetheart, do you need a ride? And I didn't want to not take a ride getting somewhere to at least a phone where I could call people I knew in LA. So I was like, total, yes, please. And she was like, where are you staying? I didn't have anywhere to stay, but I didn't want to sound like I didn't have it together. Um, You know, just insecure and being young and wanting to still pretend that you're super confident when you're totally not. (laughs) And I said, oh, I'm staying at the standard on Sunset. And she drove me there. And in the car ride, she said, you know, they really like you and a girl melody. You guys are really special. And so no matter what happens, you need to know you've got to keep doing this music thing because you're good. You got to keep going, and if, no matter what happens. And I was like, okay. So I kind of knew they liked me, and I didn't know who Melody was, but I was like, okay, I got to figure out who she is when I get to the audition tomorrow. And the audition was the next day. And so I get to Standard. They have phones in the front that actually work. <laughs> Call my friend Catherine, who's in Santa Monica. She came and picked me up, stayed with her, went to the audition the next day. And from there, they narrowed it down to the top three girls. And at that point it was myself, Melody Thornton and a girl named Tiffany Baldwin. A lot of people haven't heard about Tiffany Baldwin. So she was this fiery, gorgeous redhead. And uh, from there, champagne toasting, oh my gosh, you're a pussycat doll, but not really realizing they put us up in a hotel. They fly us all home wherever we need to go. You know, Melody went back to Arizona. I went back to Las Vegas, not sure where Tiffany went. And we were waiting on a call to find out because they were going to do now invitation only auditions where girls in the, in the industry that are known. So even though I've had opportunity, they have to be submitted by an agent or manager as an invitation. I had asked managers that I knew and they said, we don't think they'll pick you. That was kind of, yeah, they were like, no, I don't think you're their cup of tea. They sent other girls who didn't make it to the end. So it, it worked out for me in the end. So I get home, I'm waiting. They finally call me melody and i'm wait i'm thinking tiffany she called me and was like did you hear anything and i just didn't want to break her heart i was like no i didn't um and she i guess never got a call back i don't know what that reason was me and melody flew out then it was anna maria and a girl named shalom and anna maria was a part of pop stars um with nicole and she's actually i think the one that told nicole about that next audition so in walks nicole now it's these five of us who then, um, and I remember some of the other women were kind of upset about that. Like, well, why can she, why is she walking in in the final hour? You know, yeah, she auditioned, they loved it. Then the five of us had to audition for industry only. And that was when we were now down to the top three, so. And then, so what was that moment like when you finally knew that you were in the group and you met the other girls? Like, did you all get along initially? So me and Melody actually, our hotel rooms had like that door in between. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of spent time together right away me and nicole were best friends yeah. um we were super close because we had to do a lot of the heavy lifting and that means a lot of the singing and the things that people don't want to hear as fans like when nicole said she did a lot of the heavy lifting she wasn't lying but there was other girls who did myself included and when i left i left before the launch of that album and so 
they don't want to admit there's another voice on those songs, but that's why the first album doesn't sound like the second album because I was on that and I did my work and that's okay because I'm doing this now, but be honest and truthful if we're all coming forward to support one another. And I think that's a lot of the reason why I haven't had the support from the women is because it's a house of cards that if you actually admit there was a girl who really sang, who helped a lot of the heavy lifting when in fact, a lot of them lip sank to what I did. And that's a fact. There were only three singers in the Pussycat Dolls. And a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that's totally valid for the first album. Were you paid for your vocals being used? No. So we were hired cast members. In fact, we're paid $500 a week. I still have my paycheck stubs because I know people wouldn't believe me. Um, we were hired cast members. We had no rights to anything. It was owned by Robin. Yeah, Robin, Robin Anton. I wanted to talk about her. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. She owned the group. And she was the one who envisioned the group. And that was hard, too, because when we came in as singers, myself, Melody, and Nicole, there was already a tribe of girls. And they were sisters. Here we were coming in, and we were not. And so, but we were coming in because we could do something they couldn't. And they were part of this because they'd created something that we hadn't. So here we were, you know, trying to make, and I make sense of it now as an adult. I'm like, wow, if we could have just understood we were stronger together, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the time you're thinking like, well, I wanted this and I'm better at this and da 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 and that becomes difficult when you already have a very different, different, difficult dichotomy of a structure that's not a normal music structure. Music structure is usually you're an artist, you're a band, you get signed, boom. This was a joint venture between Universal Proper and Robin Anton, not the girls itself. The girls are hired cast members and we're disposable and interchangeable at any time. So can you briefly explain to the people who haven't heard of Robin Anton, like what is her role here? So was she like, I guess the, the producer, the manager, what, what was her she role? Did all, she did all of it. You know, she envisioned the look for a lot of the girls. She created the Pussycat Dolls with two other members of her, the Pussycat Doll, you know, girls. There were a bunch of dancers. They created this idea, this concept. She copywrote it, patented, trademarked. She did what she needed to do and she became the owner. Um, but there were a lot of girls that kind of helped influence that, I think, from what I know. Um, and, you know, she was just the business mind. She was the business mind behind it. She knew what she wanted and she was very driven. She was very difficult and very tough, um, but very good at her job. Like most people who are good at their job, they're sometimes hard to deal with. Yeah. Was she like, did she kind of play like dictator? I mean, was she the one that decided <laughs> that you guys get $500 a week? I don't know if that was from her decision. I would think that that was probably accounting for the record company, maybe. Um, but when it came to any of the money, we didn't, you know, we didn't get paid for per show. Maybe she did. I remember there were arguments at times with different people in regards to that because we wanted to be paid more. We needed it. You know, we were struggling. There were times where we were really struggling. And I mean, it's like, you know, here's your career, you know, here's your dream. Yeah, so she, I mean, so she said that you weren't ever an official member of the group. I know. You know what? <laughs> I have a lovely record contract that says that I was. And so shots fired. Why hasn't she sued me? You see, she likes to sue everyone who's talked to me because she knows that they're, and not the smaller people that have talked to me, the big conglomerate people. And I say this because I see what you're doing. 
and now at 39 years old, nearly 40 years old, do not play that game with me. I have receipts and I will put you to shame because I will show that you not only slave labored us, okay? We were put through severe trauma that we will never recover from. Girls had to have forced abortions and I was a doll and I made you millions of dollars because my voice is on those records. So yeah. stop, stop. Like it, it's lunacy. So that's kind of why I'm just like, this is crazy to me. This is so crazy. Like there's proof of me singing. That's why it's strange. I don't get it. I don't know, but I pray for her because somewhere something happened to her where she felt she needed to be mean to us, to control us. And I pray for her. I really do because at the end she's God's child too. And I don't hold or harbor any ill will to her. I did for a long time. She rented free space in my mind for years. And I had to just be like, you know what? Let it go and forgive her. Forgive her. And that was hard. There were days where I was like, I don't want to forgive her. But I had to because someone conditioned her to be that way. Hurt people hurt people. They don't just become that way. And if I really am practicing what I'm preaching, then I have to be loving and kind, even to those that want to slander or say whatever they want to say. And I think I triggered so fast to say what I said. May I add that there was an article, if you can find it, and if you can't, I have a copy, so don't worry, I can send it to you. There was okay. an article that came out. So right after the Vegas shooting, I had the number three single um, in the country mm -hmm. behind Taylor Swift and Pink. It was called What the Heart Don't Know. And you know, I get invited by John Rich from Big and Rich to come to Route 91 to perform before you know, what became one of the worst mass shootings in American history. I'm performing on stage. We leave. Mass shooting occurs. I'm all over the news the next day, all over the news and heartbreaking why I would even be in the news. But of course, that exact week, now that I'm trending and in the news, she was there and the shooting. Pussycat Dolls are doing an, a, a reunion and it was a press release that was put out by I'm pretty sure who runs the dolls, which is none of us, okay? Um, that the Pussycat dolls are coming back together. And it was picked up by Cosmopolitan. And that's when I said, you didn't even call me to ask. You've pretended like I was never a part of this, but now that I'm trending, you're gonna use what I went through to relaunch what you already made so much money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I said, you know what? No, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just be like, okay, you know what? I said, Twitter, here we go. And that, at that point I just went, this is the truth because I wanted people to finally hear what I knew I walked through and I felt I was never going to be able to speak on. And I just owned it and walked through it. Had no idea at the time there were other women in the industry that had been fed up from other people, mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein and this one. And the next thing I knew it was like a Me Too movement. I'm like, I didn't even know I was part of a Me Too movement. I was just saying what felt was like, it, how could you do that? How could you use 58 dead people to talk about the dolls? And you didn't even call me, you didn't even text me. In fact, you tried to belittle my involvement. And so, because it says in this article, uh, Nicole Scherzinger, Kai Jones, Melody Thornton set to rejoin. And so where did they get that from? 
Oh, wow. So they just like, she used like the CEO like, of the search engine optimization, CA, CEO. Yeah. Just essentially your name was trending. So they decided to throw it in that article. So that article would hop on to whatever yeah. is trending. And I just felt like I had been used enough. Yeah. I had been used enough and that's okay. You know, everyone in business utilizes or uses people. Some do it better than others. You know, you use, you know, has the dolls helped my career? Of course, because I wouldn't be here talking to you if it hasn't. But did I help the dolls? Of course I did. I helped with that sound, which is why when I left the dolls, it was really hard because then it was like, well, who are you? And then everything I did, it was like, oh, you sound like the Pussycat dolls. Well, of course I would because I was a part of that. And then who am I? So then I was constantly given the same kind of music and I didn't want that. I was ready to like, you know, release the energy was the beginning of me talking about that inner light, that power. That was my way of talking about God. By the time I got to Rise of the Phoenix, it was like, okay, through the ashes, maybe they'll start to see I'm trying to talk about God. And like, so it was always these like steps of trying to talk about what had saved my life because when I walked away from the Pussycat Dolls, I was also walking away from Nick Carter. That was my boyfriend. And people don't know that. I was in this massive relationship with Nick Carter and he was having these accusations of rape and all of these yeah. things were going on. Okay. And beating Paris Hilton and like all of this drama. Nobody knew that. Nobody knew that I was like going through drama in the dolls and at the same time walking through a traumatic horrific breakup when I had to leave him and I was not welcomed in Hollywood like and I remember when my record Hollywood Doll was first played in Hollywood and that was Shishi LaRue that was the gay community that finally said we know what's up and we'll support our girl and they did and that's kind of also why it's been so hard with so many of my friends and family in the gay community becoming more and more vocal about my conservative beliefs and structure where they're like, you've changed. And I'm like, I still love you. I haven't changed because I'm not God. I can't judge anyone. I mean, I'm a sinner. I'm Barabbas. I've had forced abortions because of the music industry. So who am I to judge you? I just want to be happy and live in this grace that I found. And I want to share that with the world. And that's all it is. So yeah, it's, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been yeah. a journey. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
Dua Lipa. You know, when I play my music to people who I really respect or look up to, then I hear my songs in a different perspective. Cardi B. I know what it feels like when you feel like everybody turn your back and like don't ever think it's because you did something wrong. Harry Styles. I feel like I'm falling more and more in love with, with making music each time I get to do it. You know these artists for their songs, videos, and epic performances. But they have so many stories beyond their fame. That's what we're here to share with you on the Spot Podcast. We sit down with some of the biggest names in music. And along the way, our guests reveal stories that even their biggest fans may have never heard before. Check out the Spout Podcast to hear famous people spout off about more than what they're famous for. And find out who's spouting off next wherever you get your podcasts. Well, um, Nick Carter and I actually had a pretty bad feud back in December. He, his wife was messaging my father they were trying because my father and i have the same name so they were trying to get to me messaging him my dad was sending pictures of guns to them saying like come on over here and it was so bad because i made a video about some of the accusations on nick carter and it did really well so it got him really upset so like he and when you said his name i was like oh he's like one of those only people out there that i really have had gone at it with but um he well, would I, me if I, I was i became very close with aaron so aaron yeah. was like my brother I took that death horribly hard. I'm still not over it. Um, he was just awesome. And he knew who people were and he stood up for who he was and he got belittled for it. Mm -hmm. He really did. And, um, I just, you know, that's why I want to, if I can change the world, it's to love people so that maybe that love can just trickle more into an industry that's filled with really hateful, evil stuff. It's real. And I don't believe it's the person. I believe it's spiritual. So when I look at a situation, I'm like, well, I don't hate Robin or I don't hate Nicole. I don't hate it's spiritual. If they're walking in this alignment with this wicked way, which any of us can, we're susceptible to it. So it's a daily process of like, I'm gonna choose love. I'm gonna choose love. And that's hard because there are times where you know, <laughs> I yeah. don't want to do that. It's all temptation. I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. So, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but I'm not surprised because I I know some things. Yeah. He chose that path, the darker path. Yeah. He, if you knew, if you knew how that breakup even happened, I had to choose between him and God. That was actually the choice. Mm. And that was the saddest day of my life. It wasn't he hit me. wasn't he cheated on me. It wasn't he was mean. It was nothing like that. And so you love somebody, but they basically tell you, I need you to be this way for me or nothing. And I was just like, I can't do that. Like I, that does, that goes against my, that goes against my, <laughs> my faith. My religion actually says that that's like a, the worst of the worst thing. Like I can't, I can't do that. I can't. And I won't. So yeah. I'm glad that you're super aware of like your spiritual side, because a lot of people sometimes in Christianity, they don't recognize the spiritual aspect of it uh, right. as far as like the darkness and such. I mean, was there a moment and this is kind of a out there question, but like mm -hmm. Illuminati, like, you know, putting, oh writing gosh. your name in the book. Like when you just said this, I was like, oh my gosh, did Nick Carter like try to make her sell her soul? And that's why she couldn't. Do you think that type of stuff is real? Oh, you see my face? I'm like, <laughs> Um, yeah, there's not, you know, so it wasn't anything spoken. It was, um, that you're put in situations to do things that are really, really wicked. 
Mm-hmm. And um, like everyday average people, if I was to even explain it, would be like so much so that I've never talked about it because I felt people would judge what I had walked through and be like, why were you with someone like that? Or why were you in an industry like that? Or why were you with working with people like that? I mean, telling someone you have to get rid of your child when you're pregnant, that's sacrificing your child for fame. That's putting your kid on an altar and you can say that that's satanic. You can say it's ritualistic. You can say it's selfish. It's self-driven. There's nothing, you know, the thing about having a child is a selfless. It's a selfless act where you're putting your baby before you. And I was never allowed to do that. And so, um, yeah, I was put in some situations that were pretty wicked when I, I remember one, one specific time. I had done an interview and they had asked me, what do I think it means? It was, it was Tommy Laren. She's like, what does it mean to be a conservative? And I was like, I don't really know. I mean, I didn't really see myself as conservative per se, but I said, you know, I, you know, I support our veterans, our military. I voted for Trump and yeah, I, I pray to Jesus. And I remember the heat that ran through my body because it was the first time on camera. I said out loud, like who I prayed to. And I remember that day I get a phone call (laughs) and it's people in the industry and um, they're like, yeah. So it was one person, but others were with him in that room. And he said, you know, you can't walk that back. And I said, what do you mean? And I'm thinking the Trump stuff, a hundred percent. I'm like, well, they hate him. You know what I mean? So I'm like, it's Trump. (laughs) It's Trump. And he's like, you know, the, the Jesus thing. And I was like, wait, 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 what? He's like, yeah, you've planted your feet. You know, you can't walk that back. And that's when I realized, okay, so this is not just what I feel is good, bad, and indifferent. This is legit. And I saw people in the industry really sell them their soul, you know, change. When I say change, I mean, become something else. I saw someone in the dolls do that. I saw another very big pop star who is a dear friend for many years. And I'm always praying for her because she grew up knowing Jesus. So I'm like, come on now. You're going to get her Lord. You're going to get her. I pray for her all the time. Um, yeah, it, there were moments where I felt like in, in the industry, it was the Lord that really compelled me to get out of that group. He told me I wasn't going to survive if I stayed. And in prayer, I was like, I can't, I just feel like I'm being bombarded. Like I can't, I don't know if I can come out of this. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I'm scared. You know, you're working with people that are scary people. Like <laughs> they're not like, oh, we'll just let you walk away. And you can sing again. And it's like, no, you won't be able to sing again, you know? And so yeah. it is that scary. So I was like, God, I need prophetic instruction on how I'm going to do this without it stopping me from singing ever again. And, um, that's why when I heard of Simone, right from the other girl group that was created by the same creator, I, I remember really good friend of mine. He, he said, I, I, we were filming that day and, uh, Gabriel said to me, he said, did you see that thing about Simone? I, I just wanted to ask you, are you okay? And I said, they caught a weak bird. That was my response. And he said, that's your response. Like you're not shocked. And I said, no, because I was a weak bird. And so when you're a weak bird, that can kill you. 
yeah. that can kill you because if you don't have anyone to call, if you don't have a faith, if you don't have a belief, if you don't have a way, there are people that don't feel anything. They just, I'm good with that, whatever, but I'm not that girl. I'm like super sensitive, like super intuitive, super feely, like, oh, I get a bad, uh, something's off. Like I actually get viscerally responsive to traumas or things when people are going through, which is why I'm right away when I heard it, I was like, yeah, I remember being like that. There were days where I was like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here like this. Like I'm, I'm fat. I'm not good enough. Kill your baby. You're making this sleep with that one. That's not good enough. Get sent home in a car with a man that you don't want to be with multiple times. Have to push him off of you all the time. You're singing for girls who can't sing, but they're wanting to pretend that you're not really a part of it. It was, it was like, what am I doing? What yeah. am I doing? I was like, that's why when I see what Britney's going, like everyone's like, I'm worried about Britney. And I'm like, actually, I'm not. Because here's the thing. She's living her best life, doing exactly what she did when she was on stage in her home in front of a camera. And guess what? She's finally finally doing what a 15-year-old would do without anyone really being on her back. She's finally getting to do that. And so that's going to take time. And it's going to be a process because I went through that to feel that power again that you can then now walk in the direction you need to. And she might be there for a minute, but don't worry. She's gaining her strength because when you're coming out of that kind of trauma, you've, you're never told. I mean, I went and got tattoos because I was always told that you can't, as a pussy catch all, I wasn't allowed to have my belly button ring, take it out before a show, take it out right now or you're not walking on stage and okay, I got to take it out. I got to take it out. You know, like you're constantly, I wasn't allowed to wear nude lips on stage. I had to wear red. Now I love red, but at the time, you know, I was young. It was like, you look like a playmate, take it off. Midnight phone calls about what I ate. Everything was just constantly, you're constantly just controlled. Yeah. They even knew who was in my home. And that's, that was the weird one. The weird one is when you get like a phone call, mind you, they give you a phone. And you get a phone call and it's like midnight. It's like, hi, we want to talk about you know the trip tomorrow. And like, okay, let's go over it. Oh, well, when your guest has left you're like who's here what honey what <laughs> what what do you how do you know that how do you know that how do you have such information mm -hmm. about my life and it's because you are a you're a commodity and that commodity has value do i understand it to a degree to the measure that i walked through it absolutely not do i think that that would get away now i think it's People now are starting to be like, ah, oh, heck no, the industry is really changing. And yeah. that's exciting. However, there's a lot of darkness coming out. And that's even more so where I'm like, shine your light, bright, 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 because this is this is getting I've never seen where it's been full out satanic. Like it's always been hidden. Mm -hmm. Now they're not even hiding. So I'm just like, well, finally, finally, I could finally yeah. be like, see, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's good. I think it's good. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like just thinking about cult behavior. They they will like it pretty much spy on these people to gather information on them. So when you do want to turn away from them or not do what they say, then they have the information to then use against you. So do you think <laughs> whenever you hear artists like, um, you know, VMAs thanking God, or I remember I saw Beyonce performing, she was thanking God at the end. You confessed, you know, that you prayed to Jesus. That was very yeah. specific. Do you think that they are speaking on like another type of God? Could be. 
Yeah. Could be, you know, I don't know their heart could be, um, you know, there are many gods. There are many gods. There's only one God who's like the superior above all gods. Right. And so as a believer, like this is going into Rosh Hashanah, I, I follow Jesus. And so people are like, well, are you a Jew for Jesus? Are you messianic? Are you rabbinic? And it's like, no, I follow Jesus's Bible, which was a Torah, the first five books. He carried it to Nach, which is the Nevaim and the Ketavim, the minor and minor, minor prophets, the Holy Scriptures, the Psalms. And then the New Testament is really his life then documented, which is 85% of the Old Testament repeated. So I follow the high holy days. I follow what Jesus says to do. Walk like him. He's the doorway. Walk through it and follow him. So for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, God could be many things to many people. Some people think yoga is their God. Some people think their, their money is their God. Some people say their career is their God. So for me, I'm like, I feel like I was totally born at the right time, finally in my life. But there was a period in my life where I felt like I didn't fit. I couldn't say the truth. I couldn't speak my mind. I couldn't be honest. I had to pretend and not really embrace who I am. And, and that was more hard than now, even though I get more love and hate now, <laughs> I can finally be honest. And it's those that haven't been honest that are now receiving a lot of the, well, what, well, wait, and people like yourself that really are doing journalism, proper journalism, um, which is why I love all of your content. I love what you're saying. I love that you're willing to go there. Yeah. Because there were people that at one time they used to go there and then they got really big and people started pouring in and then they were like, well, now I'm going to favor curry because, you know, curry favor, I should say, with this one because they became my friend. So they became friends with a lot of celebrities and started to manipulate the words in order to frame their friend. When the truth of the matter is the truth is just the truth, whether you like it or you don't, you know? That's like me trying to not be honest about the other women being talented. They are, but there's also the truth of what we went through. When they decide to, I'm here <laughs> whenever they decide to tell the truth. But I think that would kind of, I think that would change the dichotomy of how people see them if they really knew all of the details. So it's really good to just kind of pretend. Yeah. Like, you know, if that easier means to get by. <laughs> easier <laughs> to get by. But I I totally know what you mean though. Cause I mean, personally, I was very quiet in school, super bullied. Had a, I came out at 14. I had a hard time, my sexuality. So I was always so fearful. And then at one point I was like, in my life, I was like, why am I scared anymore? And now I just have this, like, I, I kind of feel like I am on a godly journey in the sense that I have this protection over me doing these things. And it's definitely like when you put your, you know, your faith into something else, it doesn't, feel as heavy on me so i totally relate to what you're saying there because it's like um a lot of people are scared and even like blair yesterday was like oh like i'm so scared for you know the people you talk about and those things and honestly i haven't been scared once like i'm i just am not scared you're made for it yeah i feel like i'm made for this like and it's so um rewarding when you find like your purpose in life but i want to talk a little bit about your departure from pussycats but before yeah. we do that can you just briefly explain the Vegas thing really caught me off. So you were a part of that show where there was a mass shooting in Vegas. Like, what was that like? Where you were just performing on stage and then you got on, got off after, and then there was this yes. hell on earth. So, yes. So a lot of the footage, I don't know if you, if you pull it up, you can see actually from my cell phone 
and my my best friend had my cell phone so she was doing it with her phone and my phone and then i took my phone back and started to film a little bit from the crowd but she was off to the side filming so a lot of the where you see the lighters and everyone lighting up their phones and lighters that where we're singing god bless america that was when i was on stage i was on stage with big and rich um you know save a horse ride a cowboy song <laughs> like so i was on stage with them and they invited me because I had the number three record in the country. And it was like, you know, you do a lot of stuff with the veterans, like come up because we're going to do this tribute where they um, they give a, give a shot to a couple of the guys for serving. And it's, it's like a playful moment in their set. And so I was like, and they do a set very different. They want their friends coming on stage. It was cool. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And then we leave. And as we're leaving, I realize, wait, this is DJ Silver coming on with Al Dean. So DJ Silver was my, who's now Jason Aldean's DJ. Um, he does everything with Jason. He was my DJ like back when I left the dolls. And I was doing tours in like Texas and like, you know, all the like South Carolina, North Carolina, all these little shows, Atlanta. And there's DJ Silver. And he's like, oh, me, my wife and the baby. And I was just like, what? what awesome i'm so happy to see you with aldine he's like yeah he's like come watch the set and i wanted to stay so i was gonna stay <laughs> and my um my friend was like no let's go because john is going to be having this big party at the redneck riviera down the street and everyone's going to come over anyway aldine's going to come everyone's going to come anyway and i was like you know what yeah because they were the last set of the festival so we were the second to last set and so i was like oh okay and it's a good thing our bus, because we were in Big and Rich's bus, we pull out. And it was a good thing we did because all the buses were shot. And the lucky, luckily, most of the people were on stage or outside. They weren't inside of the bus. So that was a crazy, <laughs> that was crazy. That was the crazy thing because one, I'm from Vegas. That's my home state. So that was like, how could this happen? How could this happen in my home state, one? And two, are we safe as entertainers? Because mm -hmm. now we're wanting people to come and take part in our experience. But what's going on in this world where I never used to be scared to get on stage. And now that's why I became like firearms, <laughs> mm -hmm. got into firearms, got into a lot of stuff to learn so that I felt safe and empowered as a young woman in this world that's changing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't actually at the scene when the attack happened, but can you describe? So no. you're either at this party or on the bus. Like, what was that moment like when you first learned? I mean, I feel like it'd be just oh such gosh. a well, like we I want to faint. I'm not kidding. We were like ten minutes down the road, but you have to understand, the moment that that shooting happened, there were explosions and things that happened in other areas of Vegas, and there was a lot of chatter and a lot of like confusion going on. So people were like, "Oh, there's this over here, and there's that over there." And remember, he was shooting. The shooter was shooting at the uh, airport. So because of that, there was, um, you know, th they were thinking that the, the uh, gas tank at the airport was going to explode. So they locked everything down. The thing about Vegas that's really amazing is that they were able to, you know, turn off every key. So if you weren't already in your room, you weren't getting in your room. And then they moved everyone into ballrooms to isolate, to figure out who was who and what was what. And I've never seen my city more like a ghost town in my life where you know it's like the middle of manhattan where it's busy and then all of a sudden it was like no and we we were bunkered down at the redneck riviera for three hours until swat came and cleared and allowed us to leave but um we had an off-duty fbi agent 
he was on his honeymoon and he was in the bar with his wife and he said, is anyone carrying a firearm? And of course it was the musician. Of course it's John. John Rich is like, I have one. <laughs> and they were, and John had to make sure he was really who he said he was. He showed who he was, his credentials. One of John's securities cleared it. And he took John's gun and sat at the door on his knee, guarding the door um, for those three hours that we had to uh, wait until we knew we were safe. And it, it was it was scary. So while you're in there for the three hours, were people like playing music and having drinks and having a good time? Or was everyone no. just so scared, right? No, no, we were. I, I mean, I, I for sure was drinking. I was not <laughs> this like uber Christian that I am now where I don't, I don't even drink anymore. I have wine every now and then, but yeah. I'm like such a good girl now um so I, at that time i was like i was like see this is why it's important you need to you need to gun up you need to know what you're doing you need to protect yourself i i was doing a live actually on my facebook um because i was scared mm -hmm. and i was keeping people updated because people were like are you safe are you clear are you safe like we see what's going on like are you because it was all over the news at that point and um and i got death threats right after that that's when i got scary death threats and um that's when I had to really start changing my life. And then that was right after, after that, that's when the press release came out about the dolls. And I was just, I just, I think I became a different girl after that shooting. That was the, one of the most traumatic events of my life. And at that point I was like, you know what? I'm not a little girl anymore. And you've got a lot of money for me. You made a lot of money from all of us. We don't see any residuals on anything. We don't get paid on anything. Those songs rotate every day and someone's making it. We're not. And, um, and what little, you know, credibility I had with you guys, you're trying to take that away. So no, you're not going to use my name because I was part of a horrible night to get people interested in your group. No. Yeah. So let's go back to the group because one of the reasons I came across your story specifically was yeah. because you uh, called the group essentially like a prostitution ring. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of talk about how, I mean, at some point it was probably a, a good time to be in the group, but then it started to go downhill. What was that downhill <laughs> like? And I mean, was it really Robin who kind of like pushed you out of that group or was it also fellow no, band members? I asked to leave. I asked to leave. So um, I think she knew I was unhappy. A lot of the people knew I was unhappy um, because there were so many things, there was too many things. I mean, the abortion was one. The, you know, you get a drive to an event and then all of a sudden the end of the event, oh, your driver didn't show up. So so-and-so is going to give you a ride home. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay. But then it's like a guy that's like, you know, trying to flirt or trying to. Like an executive, like someone who has oh, yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or there's an executive that jumps on you in the back of a limo. Yeah. After Diva's live when we're on our way to the plane. Would you say like you were by definition sexually assaulted by some of these people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's so, it's like crazy because you really did like, I, it's so, I'm so proud of you as a person for who you are now, especially going through that because so many people get trapped in that and then they're just, they live in fear forever. I mean, that's, I mean, it, it'd be hard to continue working after being put in that situation and seeing like what the industry can be like. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Cause you're scared. And I think that's the thing is if you're a true artist, whether you're in in the world and known or you're in a dungeon, you're still going to create music. Mm -hmm. You're still going to make music. So 
I think I had to just succumb to the fact that I may never get my voice out there and heard because I had a holding period. So there was three years that I was not able to sing. Like I had an immediate offer from Capitol Records when I left the Pussycat Dolls because I was signed to Capitol before the Dolls. So Julian Raymond, Andy Slater, who signed me at 16 years old was like, come on girl, let's get it done. I go over there and I remember Julian called me and he said, Jimmy's not letting your voice come out right now. Why? Why would they do that? Because essentially when I was part of that group, I had created and helped that sound. So the, so I understand it business-wise. They're looking at it like, we can't have the same sound coming out at the same time and anyone get wind that you were here and then you're pulling focus. And because they were a mega machine, like a lot of money being put into them. So I succumbed and understood, but of course I was like, does that mean I'm blacklisted? What does that mean? What does that mean? I was so scared. And it didn't, it just meant that I had to wait until the dolls had a second album. And luckily, Nicole's solo album that never came to pass became the dolls second album. And that's a true story that people don't know. The dolls second album is actually her solo album. Mm. And I remember getting that call from a radio guy who was like, I, I was there, I'm at the table. I hear what's happening. You, you go, you, this is go record. Now you are clear. And I'm like, what happened? And he explained the drama and I was like thank god I'm not a part of that anymore oh my gosh it's just too much drama yeah. <laughs> too much drama. <laughs> bad energy so you were quoted saying <clears throat> it feels like you're a slave literally to your dream you have no access to personal thoughts space choices decision no. you're owned by a commodity can mm -hmm. you you've mentioned abortions a few times now I I believe we we found an article that said there was three abortions that you had yes. gone through so we're in when you look back in hindsight, like you don't feel like those were your choices to make? The first one, I was 16 and I was just signing with Capitol Records and I didn't have a notion of like what I wanted. I was so young. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like, like I, I just can't have it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was so young. I was just signed. I couldn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone. I was scared. It's different. Did your mom help you out with that? Like, how did no. you as a 16 year old go and? Do that. No, you can get abortions at 16. Well, still? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, well, I thought you would have to have like an adult with you or something. No. I needed no one with me. Yeah. No one with me. I Did you share it with your family? I shared it with my mom afterwards. And she was like, I think she, my mom has always been, my mom has always been like my best friend. So she, I would share things with her. She would keep notes about things that happened to me in the dolls, which would become my journal entries because I can now remember things that I was like, oh my God, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. My mom was good on keeping track of everything. Um, and so, yes, I shared that with her. In the dolls, I remember I did it in between rehearsal. Really? So I had, mm -hmm. I knew I was going to be late to rehearsal, but it was the only time they could take me. And I was told to get rid of it. So, all right. Just go and get rid of it. And was that with someone, like not to be TMI, but so the second one, was that with someone you were personally like dating, involved with? Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So were and any of these instances were any of these instances like people that were not you weren't dating, like a music executive or something along those no, lines? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Um, no, this is someone that was signed to the label. This is a, an artist. Um, mm. and so you know, his career, my career. <clears throat> Nick Carter. No, no actually. <laughs> no, actually, no. No. Um, 
but I was really scared. I remember being like, what am I going to do? And then when I spoke about it, I was told, get rid of it. You don't, you know, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And so were they like, supportive of that? Like, were they like driving you to go do it or they're like, no, just no, no, get no, this no. done and don't bring it up. I didn't up. want anyone to know. Yeah. And so no, it was just one individual and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do this. So I actually, none of the girls even knew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> none of the girls knew. Um, and I had to be really secretive and I started hemorrhaging. I was really sick. Oh God. While I was also having to do a big show. Yeah. All over television and people and millions of people watching. And I was bloated from the distension of the procedure. And I was then told how fat I looked. And so before I go on stage while I'm still actively bleeding. Yeah. So you do talk about like, I mean, obviously the, the abortions, that's a big control over your body, but you were in this group in the early 2000s where I feel like that was where when everyone was super thin, you know, there wasn't the Lizzo's out here preaching the body positivity. So what was that? <laughs> no, like, there was not. So no, like not. dating, like, you know, other fellow artists or like seeing male artists, do you think there was definitely a different experience you had being a female in the industry and them constantly commenting on your body, yeah. your weight? Yes, we were constantly, I mean, Nick didn't have a great body. He didn't go to the gym. I mean, yeah. I used to have to be like, come on, let's go to the gym. <laughs> he did not go to the gym. Um, I don't know what his situation is now, but at the time he didn't, you know. Um, but guys were just treated differently, you know. Were they? Did they have pressures for sure? But as a girl, I mean, we're half naked. So it was like, you know, everyone knows that era. It was Britney. It was Christina. It was many more. It was, you know, it was like the pop superstars. And so we had to fit this. And we were the, the female girl group that hit at that time frame. The only other one was Destiny's Child. That was it, other than Spice Girls. And then after us, then came the Danity Kane and all the other things that came after that. But the dolls were like, really was only Destiny's Child. There wasn't yeah. a lot of other girls out there doing their thing. It was a lot of pressure. And so, and you're made fun of to, you know, mine was my, curves so i was constantly told how fat i was all the time midnight phone calls about what i ate you ate cheese you're not allowed to eat cheese what yeah. <laughs> like and you're being watched what you eat so then i just didn't eat and i think nicole's been public about her bulimia yeah it's very real like we we were watched <laughs> we were watched on what you did and you had fittings and weigh-ins and huh you better you better be skinny <laughs> So was it Robin who was like spewing this to you guys? Do you remember anything specifically that she said to you that was just like super terrible that pushed you out of the group or that led to you wanting to leave the group? Hmm. I mean, for sure the baby part, but I yeah. Will, yeah. I will say, um, oh yeah. It was in front of Larry Rudolph, Brittany's manager. We were Ooh. working with Brittany. We were working with Brittany and he was coming in to potentially manage us and it was him sitting there and, you know, and we're, you know, excited. We're working with Britney Spears and we'd just done Divas Live the night before. So we, you know, private airplane, me and Nicole home. Uh, the other girls were sent home on a bus. So of course now shade. Now you're understanding the levels. Yeah. Okay? And, um, but we were, we, we, again, we sang. So we did a lot of the heavy lifting. That being said, 
I remember we went across the street to Whole Foods in Santa Monica. We went and got just simple food, like fruit and vegetables. Like we didn't really eat a lot. So um, yeah, and Robin pointed out in front of Larry and his associates um, and Mikey Minden and, you know, like, look at her body. It's just, you're just so fat. You're just so fat. I mean, you don't take care of yourself. Just look at you. It's disgusting. It's just disgusting, you know? And um, I remember I was just like, I was so humiliated. I was so humiliated because it was in front of a mega manager that we were working with. His number one pop artist in the planet. And um, I remember he came over to me that night at the end of the show. And he said, I just want you to know when you're done here, you come find me. Nothing's wrong with you. Oh, that's, that's actually pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really sweet. And he actually tried to manage me when I left the dolls, but I told him he wasn't done with his girl and he wasn't. And so he went back to managing Brittany shortly after that, because an hour meeting, 30 minutes of this hour meeting with this new potential manager for myself, he's talking about Brittany. Yeah. And this was when Brittany was not with him. And I just was like, you know what to do with her. You found your girl. Now I need to find someone that understands me that way. And so um, I felt like he, though he always wanted her to work a lot, he really understood how to uh, keep her on target, on point. And she was always at her best when she was represented by him. So um, I don't really have that notion of him being this bad person. I never saw that. He was really respectful and he was really kind and he stood up for me. He actually looked at Robin and was like, stop. <laughs> so yeah. he he was a different Again, I I have this very different version of some of the people of this business. People say Robert Kelly's one way. They've said Larry's another way. And I would beg to differ. Both have been really great with me. It's the ones that you don't think that have not. Um, but I will say there were moments like that all the time. I mean, again, when you get, when you get calls or told like uh, Diva's Life, I'm walking underneath the stage, I'm coming up and being told, you look like you have pizzas sewn on your, on your ass. You know? <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I remember being, and mind you, I'm wearing like this tiny thing and I'm losing my child and I'm bleeding and I'm like already like, oh my God, I feel like I'm not enough. And at that point, I'm like, I'm really never going to be good enough, am I? Like, I'm mm-hmm. never going to be good enough for you. And you know what? That's okay. And so um, then the process was how was I going to get out of it? And, um, when I was leaving, Robin actually asked to sign me as a solo artist to be owned by the Pussycat Dolls and to be still under Universal. And I declined. I declined because I felt that that was not, if I was going to stay with Robin, I would have stayed with the dolls. Yeah. So. Did you ever tell her, like, I, you're just a terrible person? I don't like how you talk to me. No. Like, <laughs> I know. No. I never stood up for myself. I was so like, no. I was so like, you know, I was like a little lamb. Mm-hmm. You know? I was like a little lamb. Maybe that's why now I'm just like, no, I'm an adult. You're, you can't bully me anymore. Mm-hmm. You bullied me for a long time. And not just me. There are girls in that group she bullied too. You don't have a perfect image anymore. Be honest. Get back into the group with your fans so your fans know you're real and legit. And, and you have a career. Mm-hmm. You as an entity. You as a commodity. You as a girl that created that magnitude because since the girls have gone their ways, that shows you it, it's not there. The name was not in the dolls, it was in the women. It was the women that were powerful and great. And that's kind of why it was a disconnect from like the Spice Girls. The Spice Girls 
And you, you fell in love with the girls. Yeah. You fell in love with like, oh, this one and that one and this one's like me. Da, 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 da. And you felt connected. When the dolls, you really didn't know who was who and what was what. But at the root of it, you loved the music and you wanted to be one. And so I think if if we really understood that we were more of a power to be who we are than to be who this thing is, we would have sustained longer and we probably would have respected each person in our own lane. Yeah. You know? Are you friendly with any of them? Actually, I every time I see Melody, we're good. Every time. Yeah. So you guys, <laughs> yeah. you both kind of went through it together, like in the beginning and yeah, everything. So. Actually, Mel Mel saw me outside of a movie theater and she was like you know, I couldn't realize why you left. And then when I saw all, look at all you're doing, I wish I'd left sooner. She said that. Then mm-hmm. when I won my Grammy, that's when she was like, girl. <laughs> and I was like, it's your turn. Come on now, girl, get it together. She is a powerful vocalist. I can't wait for her to just, just do what she's capable of and not be in the background anymore. Can we just gloat for a second? She's so good. She yeah. needs to have her moment because she deserves it because she's talented. And unfortunately, the people that created us were also involved in Christina Aguilera's career. And that's why I feel like she was kind of like not pushed forward. But Christina is Christina and Melody is Melody. And I think that Melody is a powerful vocalist. And I just can't wait to see what she's going to do because she never got the glory or the fame. And I yeah. think, I think, for what that girl has and i will never talk crap about mel because we we were the first two we were the first two and um i just know she's got many awards in her and i'm gonna be there (laughs) for sure yeah well i think it's great too that i mean looking at your career just like in 2019 you got this grammy with jason crab yeah and that's just amazing that you because most people artists they can't even last like a decade so the fact that you've been Mm -hmm. able to reinvent yourself and still be successful in this industry i mean kudos to you because i mean i thought you would have been blackballed to the point where you can't even (laughs) like you know achieve a grammy so that's like you gotta be honest just be honest the thing is is about being honest like be honest with your fans be honest with the industry and industry loves um, gratefulness. When you're grateful, because people know what happens in this game. And when you come back and you're like, I'm just so grateful that I still have a job. I'm so grateful that I get to sing and be a part of this and make music with you guys again. They're really warm, like unbelievably warm where they're like, oh, I'm so happy you're doing good. I'm supportive. The people now that have come beside me i'm i'm still shocked i'm like whoa like even when jason crab it was one of the rascal flats were producing that album like the rascal flats are a big deal yeah and i'm thinking like oh my gosh and it was you know we think you'd be great for this record and i'm like what oh my gosh yeah we'll do it first single the whole album wins a grammy but we were the first single for that album so it just was so so sweet and then realizing like, cause I had actually prayed for that. So that was an answered prayer. I had said to the Lord privately, I said, God, I left the dolls. I'm doing like DJing and singing dance music. And I'm just, my heart's not there. Like I still want to do dance music, but I just want more meaning. I just want more meaningful. I want to give a message. I want to change the world. I want to do something with my life. And I just feel like if I'm going to sing, it's got to be more for you and less of me. And I don't know how that's going to happen, but you got to send the people because I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know them like at all. I know all these DJs and guys in like Europe and you know all of that. And I just said, God, you got to bring them to me. 
a week later, I get What the Heart Don't Know, which went to number three. Two months later, I'm in the studio with Jason Crabb. And two years later, I'm winning a Grammy. And so it was like, whoa, you did it. You did mm -hmm. it because I asked for it. So I think if you ask, you will receive, but you got to speak it into the existence. And so I speak life over my life. Like never, never bad about people, never life, speak life, speak good. That's why I want to see all the girls win. And Nicole, because we were best friends, that was hard. You know, I want to see Nicole win. And I know what she's capable of. I don't want to see her just doing one part because she's capable of a lot more. And she's a believer. And so I want to see her do great things too. But the girls that, you know, and I see some of them finally getting their voice and they're becoming moms. And I'm like happy for them. I'm really happy for them. But yeah, I've not really had a warm like, oh, we're happy or proud of Kai at all. And I think that just speaks to me where their heart's at. So I just kind of hope that one day, and I think it will happen where we all admit that we have regard for each other. And I've seen Carmeet and Carmeet's good. Every time I've seen her, it's been good, but there are people that were closer to, to Robin than me. So, you know, I feel like the singer girls, which was me, Melody and Nicole, mm -hmm. we're on a, we're a different, we're different. We're the girls that were part of the dolls will always side with Robin mm -hmm. and the girls that were not, we're not, we won't. And I, and I think you're hearing that in the news, with some of the stuff that's happened between Nicole and Robin. And I actually was like, finally happy for Nicole. Like finally, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, finally girl, like about time. So let's finish up by talking a little bit about your faith. But before we get there, I just want to ask like, <clears throat> because you've been in the industry, do you think that there's like this spiritual like cloud in Hollywood where people are actually achieving success off of like their evil sacrifices, like Doja Cat, like pushing this whole evil, like satanic message yeah. and with her VMA performances, like, do you think that like people who sacrifice children or do these horrendous things in Hollywood, they are rewarded in some weird spiritual way, the same way like you, are, you know, you're doing good, you spreading love, you praying on it, them committing these horrendous acts, they are rewarded for it. Yeah, well, it goes back to scripture, you know, when Jesus was in the wilderness and Lucifer came to him and said, you know, I can give you, make you a king and give you all of this, all of this and just told him all of the things he could give him. And, you know, Jesus's kingdom is not here. Our kingdom is not here. And I think that's where it's less of me, more of him. Just love people. Don't chastise them. Don't judge them. Come with open arms, spread unity, um, not division, spread um, the message of, of Jesus. And if I can do that, um, that will change the world because people are in pain and people are in darkness and people are going through depression and the devil is a liar. It doesn't start with someone being a Satanist or someone being a, you know, um, a devil worshiper or witchcraft, or it doesn't start that way, but it was a seed. It's a seed that's planted in the mind and it starts to grow into bigger because possession is real. Like the whole point of singing about Jesus, I'm not talking about me. I talk about him. It's less of me, more of him. You're talking about you, 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 the power that these things are giving you. It is the antithesis of anti-selfless. It's more yeah, self-worship. Self for sure. Self-worship, correct. Yeah. And so I felt like I was losing it. I felt like I was losing my mind. I lost my child. 16, 
I'm young, stupid, poor choice. Finally, then I have an ex-boyfriend who I thought I could trust rapes me and pregnant and wanted to keep the baby. And then him saying, I'm going to take it from you if you have it, lawyer up. And I just kind of was like, well, you know what? I had done it before. I don't want to do this. And that was the hardest one because I really wanted that child and I knew better. So that's why I'm very vocal about it now because I want young girls, especially if they're in this industry and they think they know what they're doing. I'm telling you as someone who was in this industry or still is in a different capacity now, learn from it, don't do what I did. And I don't think it's that shocking anymore because so many girls have talked about what we've gone through in this business. And it's time that men and women don't take advantage of people anymore in this business. Let's change it for the better. <laughs> it can be done. And, um, I think we're seeing that. I think it's it's a little messy, of course, because you're going to see people get in trouble. And you're going to be like, well, why did they have to do that? You know, why did Danny Masterson have to do this? Or why did this one have to do that? Or why? Because you're like, they're famous. They're good looking. Like, it, just because you're famous does not mean you're not a bad person. Just because you're talented, just because you have money. And, and how many times is it too many times? Like how many of the dolls have to say they went through something for people to actually go, it happened. So you identify as pro-life now. Do you believe like yeah. the procedure itself should not be available? This is actually something, thank you for asking me this question. This is a question that I know because I believe that God allows us free will. And that's hard to say, but as a Christian, I don't believe in murder, right? I don't believe in murder, but I also know that God gives us free will because he's a loving God. So he doesn't, he's not a force for us. He's not going to force. You have to choose your life. You have to make choices. This is free will. Now there are consequences with those choices. That's the conversation we need to have. I would really love a surgeon general warning for abortion for women to understand there are spiritual ramifications that are very serious there are mental ramifications such as ptsd and then there's actually the physical side of you know getting breast cancer scar tissue serious other complications i had a complication and literally nearly went septic so when I tell you there's things that happen that we have to discuss instead of just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just a clump of cells. It doesn't matter. It's your body, your choice, but it's actually another human's body. And if I fight for human rights and I've spoken out for LGBT and I've spoken out for being a Christian and I've spoken out for all these things and I've got to speak for those who can't because my three babies are in heaven and I will meet them one day, but I chose really poorly and I hope that more women make a better choice because there's amazing people in this world that want a baby, that mm. want a baby, and they can't have one. That baby is worth a shot. Give them the fair shot. Give them a shot. Maybe they'll change the world. Maybe we will have a female president one day. Maybe we will have better music. Maybe we will advance in all areas. But if we keep aborting these babies, we're really killing ourselves off. I mean, we're like a parasite at this point. And so that's kind of why I'm like, I don't think it's taking anything away. I guess I think it's beautiful that we've gotten to a point where it's crazy talk about it, mm -hmm. but I do believe in free will. I don't believe in forcing anything, but I know where I stand. Do I think a woman has a right to make a choice? Yes. Do I agree with the choice of killing a life? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm pro gun too. 
but so do you see what I'm saying? Like if I, if I'm pro, if I'm pro firearm, that means if someone comes in my home to try and kill me, I, I am pro making sure that I'm safe and my family's safe. That doesn't mean I'm okay with going and killing people. So that it, it's a, it's a line. You have to know what that line is before you cross it. I don't believe in condemning young girls who've gone through hell. I know what that felt like. I know what going through an abortion feels like. And when I've gone to colleges and spoken and I see their faces and they're ready to really just attack you when you speak poorly. Um, that's when I started talking more because at the time I wasn't even speaking about that. I was talking about mm -hmm. other things. I was talking about the country, conservative, Jesus, all those things. Mm -hmm. And that's when I looked around in the room when another conservative speaker was speaking about abortion. And I went, whoa, I have to speak now. I have to do this because if I don't do this, you're missing it, guys. You're hurting these girls that are already broken. They lost their baby and we're parents of dead children and the murder took place in our body. It's very real. So if we can't love those girls and say, God forgives you now, come on, do the better thing now to realize what we did. And there's healing that needs to happen. You know, then we can go from there. I really like that approach though, because I feel like <clears throat> it's smart because like I could have, if you said no, it shouldn't be available. I could have been like, well, you're a hypocrite because you've done this and it's, it, you know, it's given you an advantage, but I think that's really insightful because there is like, you know, ramifications to every decision. And yeah. the fact that you think you acknowledge the free will, uh, free will and everything. I think that's like, I align with that belief as well, because I do think that there's a, a you know, a choice to make out there. And I think taking that away, is just, um, I mean, I, it's like true conservatives. They don't want more regulations and more laws. They want to no. allow us and to I make our own choices. Just be kind. You don't know what someone's going through. Just be kind to the women and the men, especially men who have paid for abortions. You know how many guys I get messaging me and they're like, I paid for one. I feel so bad. Mm. And I know I, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have made her do it. You know how many of those I've gotten where guys are reflecting and saying, I shouldn't have made her do it because God is good at reminding you, you did something you shouldn't have done. That's not a form of contraception. Wear a condom or don't have sex. That is not a form of contraceptive. And that's what we're doing is like, oh, we'll just kill it. But when you see the graphicness and how it's done, and then when I started to learn, I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, And I love to see the pop artists that are having babies and doing it boldly. Like when Jessie J, when you're seeing her and when you're seeing girls do it boldly i'm just like yes so i've got one last question for you and then we'll wrap up and it's kind of random but i saw that in 2009 you did a solo tour in iraq yes was that scary or what was oh going oh my god you know that you know that you're like the first american reporter to actually ask me <laughs> really yeah you know I, that? it just yes, stuck out to me i was you. like i love you <laughs> um yes in 2009 I went over for the MWR, or the USO, which is like the, the MWR is kind of like the USO. And we did, I was supposed to do 24 shows in 12 days. That's two shows a day, Blackhawk choppers to and from each base. And we got rocket attacked on one of the bases. So oh I God. lost four shows. I only did 20 shows in, tw in 10 days. I hold the record during an active war performing for our troops during an active war abroad and as a pop star i hold the record and no one has gotten to ask me because no one has wanted to know i don't know why but i think it's really cool because i got to meet all of our men and women and they serve under both umbrellas and i got to meet some really great people that um just want to be reminded that we love them and they they give a lot to our country 
And um, I'm grateful for those men and women that stand on that wall. I'm grateful for them because I'm not standing on that wall. I'm just so proud of our nation. And I always will be no matter who is president, no matter who is president, I'm always going to support our country because I just think it's an awesome thing to be an American. And we have such opportunity that so many people from every other country want to come because it, look how we live. We have huge cars. We have nice homes. Look at these things. Come on, people. We got it good. Let's, let's keep it good. You know what I mean? Like when you start to travel the world, you start to realize there's a lot of other things you could be complaining about. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we love our troops and the fact that you're able to use your gift to give back in some way. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. That's what everyone like, I, I think would try to do. Yeah, no, I likewise. They're pro- I couldn't imagine, like nobody oh, wants to be no. out there using that machinery. <laughs> so the fact that they could do it no so way. that I could be here and talking to you, like that's, yeah. I feel like I, I am always it. supportive of them, you know? Yeah, so it was a very good tour. Really scary, crazy, awesome. But man, what, it was amazing to be in Kuwait, be in Iraq, meet different people. And um, and that changed my life. And when I came back, I wanted to visit the VA hospitals. I wanted to do more for human rights. I wanted to speak more. It really did change my life. And it was just so rewarding. Do you have like a, a book or anything about your life or? We're working on it. It's so funny you're saying that. That's Yeah, there are a lot of people that have been like, oh, where, where? And we're like, we're working on it. We're working on it, working on it. We have, um, we do we do have some things cooking yeah. and we have uh we have a joint partnership that's going to be coming out about um my representation we haven't spoken about it yet but there's things that are happening so um i think people will be happy there are good people in this business too there are great people in this business too yeah. not everybody's bad but when you find the good ones tell everyone about them because they are there and you can change it, you know? Well, I think that's beautiful. And if you guys want to go and check out more of Kaya's journey, I'm going to list everything below. Go and check out her latest single and the music video is beautiful. So we have a new one coming because I'm losing like all this away. I lost 10 pounds from that video. So yeah, yeah and, and healthily, not like starving because I like <laughs> yeah. food. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love food. Um, no, so the new music video that's coming out is Love is the Answer. Mm. we're so excited that's going to be coming out very soon that's in october so awesome well i'll link everything below so everyone can go and check you out thank you so much for coming on to my podcast (laughs) it was such an honor and you guys go and check out kaya go and support her on social media i will list everything below thank you i love you i adore you you, and i'm your biggest supporter so keep watching him keep supporting him because you need real journalism and He's an awesome, awesome journalist. And I just think he's fabulous. I think you're fabulous. So keep being <laughs> fabulous. Keep doing you and keep just changing the industry and the world. You too. Likewise. <laughs> and on that note, thank you guys for tuning in. And I'll see you in next week's episode. Bye, guys. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.